Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Go back to 1 John where we left off last week. We were talking about fellowship, our fellowship with the Lord, our fellowship one with another, and how our fellowship one with another is a direct reflection of our fellowship with the Lord. You know, I've always heard people talk about loved ones and friends and people in their lives and they make statements like, well, you know, my Uncle John or my Uncle Bob or my Aunt Sue, you know, they don't, they don't go to church or anything, but they really do love the Lord. Did you know that's not true? Did you know if you love the Lord, you'll love His house? I ought to get a better amen than that. Did you know if you love the Lord, you'll love the body of Christ? Did you know if you love the Lord, you'll love your brothers and sisters that are around you? And there's just something about the fellowship of us together that empowers us as a group of people to do things beyond that which just the one individual can do. Amen? Corporate faith is strong. You know, we have a spirit of faith here. We've heard many testimonies of of prayers, prayer cloths, things we've prayed over your friend. How many of you have had us pray, not just for you, but over a friend or a loved one or an acquaintance or somebody, and that prayer got answered? Raise your hand. Now look at all the hands. Isn't that powerful? You say, why is that? Because we have a spirit of faith here. There is a spirit. That's what produces all the things that we do overseas, all the, 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 the blessing of God. We're fixing to be a part of launching another church in Ireland. Oh, somebody ought to be excited. In Dublin, Ireland, a sweet couple that we have, uh, we've supported them for many years. Uh, they, they were believing God for $50,000 to do a church launch. They came and were part of different conferences around the United States. They're going home with $51,000. Isn't that great? We ought to rejoice. That's another church we're going to get to work in and be a part of and get to do that which God's called us to do in the earth today. And then for Galveston. I said for Galveston. The greatest light that's ever shined is going to shine right here on this island. Because the light that shines farthest always shines the brightest right here at home. Isn't that good? So fellowship is important. Let me read the scripture again. They're in, uh, well, where can I start this again? I hate to do that because I've got so many scriptures that call out to me. Well, let's just use verse 7. It says, but if we walk in the light, everybody say walk in the light. As he in the light, we have, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now there is something unique about being part of a body that helps the ability of the Holy Ghost to continue the process of conviction in your life. You say, what do you mean by that? Conviction is not wrong. Conviction is good. Conviction is not condemnation or guilt. Conviction is is, is when the Word of God is preached or the Spirit of God is moved. You know you need to make an adjustment. Has anybody ever made an adjustment? Because of something done by the Word or by the Spirit. Well, that's that conviction that should be in us at all times, helping us stay away from sin, helping us stay out of iniquity, and helping us stay away from things that would harm or hurt us. Amen? Now, that's part of us gathering together, being a part of the body of Christ. Now, I want you to go, if you will, to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me find it here. All right, here it is on the other side. Thank you, Lord. Now, notice verse, Hebrews chapter 10, that's verse uh, 20. These letters get smaller. 22, here we go. 
Let us draw nigh, everybody say draw nigh, or draw near, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience or an evil lifestyle, and our bodies washed with pure water. Now notice this. Let us hold fast the profession of our hope or the confession of our hope without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now notice this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so the more as we see the day approaching. Now let me go back up. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. What a word. Now you think about the inability of the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the individual to enter into the presence of God. They could not do it. The high priest could do it once a year. He could go through that veil into the Holy of Holies and he had to do it in order to offer the, uh, the, the sacrificial atoning sacrifice for the sins of the nation. Are you with me? Now, then it says this. It says, By a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. Everybody say, through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. Now notice this. You say, what is it talking about? Literally, our entrance into the Holy of Holies of God is through the veil of His flesh. That means just like the curtain was rent from top to bottom in the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem, so also His flesh was ripped so that we could go into the Holy of Holies by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that ought to excite you. Come on. This is all tied together. Just stay with me. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Everybody say, draw near. With a true heart. Everybody say, true heart. Now hold that, hold that phrase and let me read the rest. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Let us, cons uh, let us uh, consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, Right there many times, and I've used it and used it and preached it to you guys. We talk about you need to come to church, need to come to church, need to come to church. Now, we just talked about fellowship. You can't fellowship when you're not here. Amen? Now, this is this in Hebrews. It's a little deep, it's a little meaty, but we can get through it. It's talking about how we as believers have the right by the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to go through the veil into the true holy of holies in heaven itself to approach our heavenly Father to ask for needs met, to worship God, to do whatever we need to do to fellowship with our heavenly Father. Amen? Then it talks about the Word washing us, our bodies being made pure. Everything that God desires to do for us, you can go right back to the ceremonial things that the priest had to do. God has already done that for us in Christ Jesus. But then it says this, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now for years I just read that and I thought, well, people need to come to church. People need to come to church. People need to come to church. That's true. But literally what this is talking about is us being put together one with another. There are two components that you'll see in the book of Acts. That is gatherings of people and assemblies of people. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4 the Bible says, And being assembled together with them. 
didn't say he was gathered together with them. It says he was assembled together with them. That means he was a main part of it. He was a part of it in which God was using to be the cornerstone, to be the headstone, to be the number one component of the body of Christ. He is the head in heaven and we are the body on earth. Are you with me? And he wants to do what? He doesn't just want to gather together a crowd. He wants to assemble us. There are a lot of things we get gathered together in boxes and, and different things. And when they arrive, it's kind of like, you mean i got to put that thing together? What was it, Leah, one time? A cabinet or something that I had to put together, you know, and I had it out in the garage. And so I started, and what was funny about it, you know, all the men can attest to this. You really don't need instructions. You just, you know, you're smart enough, and you can just... I put it together and took it apart three times. The third time, Leah came out in the garage. She said, what are you doing? I said, what? I said, I'm about to take this cabinet out in the yard with a ball-peen hammer and beat it into a piece of junk. She said, what's wrong? Then she looked over there at the instructions. She said, did you read the instructions? I said, Lord, it's that woman you gave me. But I did not read the instructions. Therefore, it took me three times to get the thing assembled. Now, great move of God started in 1907. A gentleman named William Seymour ended up in Azusa Street, California. Holy Ghost began to be poured out in an unusual manifestation. A little building they were in uh, sat 800 people. And there would be 800 people on the inside and 5,000 on the outside five times a day. Day after day after day after day. But there is no church in Azusa, California that can trace its roots back to that move. No, there was just a gathering together. They gathered together. They gathered together. They gathered together. They gathered together. But some of the men that were touched by that anointing and by that power knew that it needed to go to another level. And those men, when they got together, one of them was named P.C. Nelson, they founded a denomination called the Assemblies of God. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, that, that, that wasn't just a catchphrase or a name. They were noticing or realizing or recognizing by the Word of God all this that God is doing, all these people getting saved, all these people getting uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. We can't just continue to gather and gather and gather them. We're going to have to see this thing put together so it can function in a way in which it will touch the earth. And it has. They celebrated their 100th anniversary. When was it? In, uh, in, in 2014. 100 years of the assembly of God. Churches all over. Churches all, missions all over. They literally were effective once they got assembled. Amen? Now we know not everybody can come to every service. It is important that you come. It is important that you fellowship. But it is also important that you be assembled together with the body. You say, why? Because number one, the body functions the way it should. Number two, you function the way you should. It touches your job. It touches your business. It touches your family. It touches your life because you're being used by that which God wants you to be used by. So therefore, the residual effect of that anointing flows right down into your life. Amen. Now, I told you to keep a little two words in the back of your mind there. Let me find them again. Here they are. Verse 20, uh, 23, 22, whatever it is. 
Let us draw near with a what? With a what? So I, as I was studying this, I was meditating on it during the week while I was in Tulsa and thinking about it. I thought, Lord, I, I need to find some teaching on the heart somewhere. And all of a sudden I just remembered. I taught for 12 weeks on the heart. So I went and got my heart book. I think uh, uh, Monica and Roy gave me this. And they don't know what they did when they gave me this. They, they gave me a book that now it's all full, all, all, full of all kinds of heart teaching. Now, I went back and I looked. I said, well, there must be something in here about a true heart that will help us understand the need for fellowship and understand the need for developing the assembly that God wants us to have in order to be effectual in Galveston, Galveston County, Texas, the United States, and around the world. And if our true hearts or if our hearts are developed correctly toward the things of God, how much more should they affect us when it comes to receiving from God? Did you know it's so easy for faith to work when your heart is right? But I've noticed when your heart, right, heart is not right, it's hard to get faith to work. Now, number one, let me read a couple of these things and then we'll, we'll, we'll expound on them. Number one, where's your heart this morning? Where is your heart? Now listen, I'm just going to throw this out because it's not private. Every Saturday night when we pray, there'll be from 20 to 30 people in here praying. And they're praying for the service this morning. And one of these things we pray is this. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the crowd that's going to come willingly. We thank you for every person who has it in their heart to be in church on Sunday morning, to be in Sunday school, to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, we bless them. We thank you that their trip to and from the church is protected and blessed. But Father, we pray for those who are every Sunday morning, who every Wednesday night, when it's time to go to church, they're in a fight. And the fight is whether I should go to church or not. So we've been praying for you. If it's hard to go to church, if it's hard to be a part of an assembly, if it's hard to be a part of a church, we are praying for you that you will have a heart change. That in your heart you will see the necessity for being a part of a church. Church is the heart of your heavenly Father for you. Church is His family meeting together. He loves it when people get together and sing songs like, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Jesus, we love you. Listen, that, God puts his stamp of approval on that. Now listen, you may say, well, pastor, you talk about being in the will of God. You talk about the intention. I don't know if I've ever been in the will of God one day in my life. You're in the will of God right now. I said you're in the, you're in the perfect will of God for your life right now. And in this day, in this hour, we're in other days and other moves of God and other moves of the Spirit. It was easy to be a part of what was going on. It was easy to be in church. Today, there is great resistance. Amen? Timothy, I mean, Paul told Timothy, last days would be perilous times. Men would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power thereof. Listen, we see that everywhere. We see churches leaving meetings off. Some churches only meet on Sunday. They put no demand. They teach no word. They don't talk about signs, wonders, miracles, healings. They don't talk about anything like that. But here at Island Church, we stick with the Word of God. We believe every person needs to be saved. We believe any sick person can be healed. We believe God can prosper anybody's finances. We believe any drug addict can be delivered. Our heart is to see God do His best toward people whom God sends around us. Like Pastor Leah read, we want to be the light. We want to be the salt of God. We want to bring the flavor of God and the colors of God everywhere we go. We want people to know God has sent those people. Amen. 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 So you must locate your heart. Where's your heart at? Number two, what are you feeding your heart? 
Amen. Now let me tell you what feeds your heart is your words. If all your words are negative, if all your words are... Now listen, let me just say this also. Everybody's had a bad church experience. Can I get an amen? Everybody's had some kind of toxic something happen to you where somebody's disappointed you, something is... You cannot let that soil your heart. People are people. Are people. They're not perfect. They make mistakes. You've got to forgive. You've got to go on in love. You can't let your heart be so soiled by something that happened to you in some church somewhere by some pastor or some preacher that may have just been a nut. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody, I just heard somebody ask, ask a question in the Spirit, so I'm going to answer it for you. He say, how can I know? How can I know, Pastor? How can I know if I go to a good church? How can I know if it's a good church? Number one, if a church isolates itself. You say, what do you mean by that? We've got people that come in here from all over the world. We've got connections. I have men that I call my pastors, my counselors, people that I put my life under, people that have the right to speak into my life. And We're not isolated. We're included. But anytime you find a church or a pastor or a minister that isolates himself, that will not fellowship with other ministers, that will not be parts of conferences, go off and get educated, go off and get refreshed, that he's just kind of a lone wolf, you're going to find, you're going to find somebody going to get you in trouble. Because if they're like that, you're going to be like that. Amen. I don't know who that was for, but that will help you. You need to get... A heart for God, a heart for prayer, a heart for witnessing. We're not called to be lawyers. We're not called to be judges. We're not called to, to, uh, to, uh, uh, to constantly try to make decisions. We're called to be witnesses and evidence producers. Amen. Amen? For the lost, for forgiveness, for giving, for missions, for the church, for healing, and for deliverance. Number two, feed your heart. Everybody say, feed your heart. Just like in the natural, there's junk food which I like. Amen? Nothing's better than a chocolate ding-dong with a scoop of ice cream on top. Put it in the microwave for 10 seconds and pull it out and eat it. Amen? Maybe not. <laughs> but ever since I married Leah 33 years ago Friday, I did not know that God was not only me, going to give me a wife, but a dietitian. I was the consummate meat, potatoes, and apple pie. At the end, two scoops of ice cream. I did not know what asparagus was. I did not know what avocados were. I did not know what broccoli was. I did not know what any of those things were until I married Leah. And she looked at me one day as she had prepared this beautiful plate of broccoli or whatever it was and said, you're not going to eat that? I said, I don't eat that. She looked at me and smiled. And she said, things are fixing to change. I never ate a salad. I was 30 years old when I married Leah and I had never eaten a salad. Everybody sing the eyes of Texas are upon me. We're from Texas. We eat beef. But my diet had to change. You say, why? God wants me to live a long life and prosper. 
Therefore, here, 33 years later, I ate salads, I ate broccoli, I ate asparagus, I ate avocados, I ate artichokes. Whoever thought of eating an artichoke? Somebody had to be very hungry to figure out how to eat one of those things. <laughs> but your diet has to change. You must judge things in your life by what it produces. If something in your life is producing over and over and over negative things, then I guarantee you it's negative. It needs to get out of your life and out of your heart. Amen? Mm -mm -mm. I don't know if I can do all this today. There are foods in the natural that can change your heart. There are foods in the spirit that can cause you to be heart healthy. Number three, be careful of your emotions. How many know what your emotions are? They're feelings. And if your heart is wrong, you're always going to feel wrong. If your heart is right, you're always going to feel right. If you'll make a decision to feed your heart the Word of God and allow the spirit side of your life to be the main dietitian of your heart, you won't have so many bad feelings. But you know, feelings are literally, easily, very easily, very, very easily manifested. All you have to do is be at the same place or someplace, same sound. I had a friend I worked with for many years in the cable TV industry. He was a Vietnam veteran. He did two tours of duty. And every time helicopters would go over us, he'd go like this. And I'd say, What's, what, what are you doing that for, Hal? He told me one time, he said, well, I was in this particular unit, and every time we'd always be on the ground, and every time the helicopters would come in, the enemy would start shooting. So I'd always be ducking. Well, that, that, that sound stimulated a feeling, and he reacted. You know, you can be in a store and hear some song. You can be in a place and smell some smell. There are all kinds of things that will stimulate your emotions and literally cause your heart to drift toward, especially if you've had a bad experience, amen, to drift toward that. Be careful of your emotions. Your emotions have their roots in your Adamic nature. Fear, anger, rejection, loneliness. These are conditional realities developed from the time we were born. If your emotions feed your heart, it is highly likely your emotions are going to feed you a lie. I don't feel like they like me. Well, that might not be true. Amen? Now, we're talking about fellowship, being assembled together. How we're going to have to learn to get along. Boy, I didn't get one amen on that one. Let me try that again. How we're going to have to learn to get along. Amen. How we're going to have to look at the person on the left, on the right, in front and in back of us and say, God's called us to walk in faith together. I love you. Mm -mm -mm. Our intellect. The Bible says the carnal mind is at enmity with God. We stimulate our mind. We educate it. We figure it out. We want explanation. And when the mind feeds the heart, it creates more questions than answers. An intellectually fed heart, now listen to this, will make decisions only if it makes sense. Well, Pastor, it don't make sense. I mean, I, I, come to, I come to church on Sunday. It don't make sense to come on Wednesday night. It don't make any sense to come to prayer on Saturday. It don't make any sense to be a part of the outreach. It don't make any sense to work with the children. It don't make any sense to work in a sound booth. It don't make any sense to sing on a prayer. That don't make any sense. That don't make sense to me. Maybe you need a heart change. Here's another one that tries to feed your heart. Your will. Choices. When your choices control your heart, instead of your heart controlling your choices, you will always choose by what you feel and think. 
Did you get that? Your emotions and your mind will gang up on your heart. So if you don't think and feel it, you're not going to choose it. Come on, church. But if you feed your heart the Word of God, you can tell your mind to shut up. You can tell your emotions to be quiet. And you can make this, you can make this, you can make this statement, I'm going to choose the choice of God for my life. For you, it may be the choice of salvation, to get born again, make Jesus your Lord and Savior. It may be to, be to, be, to, to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It may be to be healed. It may be to prosper. It may be to, be, to, to obey God and something God's called you to do. Did you get that? Let me find the page I wrote the questions on. I have to skip a couple of these things. Now listen to this. Proverbs 16.23 says, The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Did you get that? The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. What moves our heart away from God many times are questions our heart poses toward us because our words have been stimulating things that are moving us not toward God but away from God. Here's one. I know I'm obeying God, but my heart just isn't is it. Just not in it. I know I'm supposed to usher, but my heart's just not in it. I know I'm supposed to be working up there and the, helping them do the live stream and helping them with the computers. I know I'm supposed to be working in the... But you know, my heart's just not in it. Quit saying that! Quit saying that! If you continue to say that, then you will believe it in your heart. Because what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth is your faith, positive or negative. Amen? You, you may say things like, well, you know, I agree the church ought to have some money. They ought to be able to pay the pastor. But you know, taking an offering every service, taking two offerings on one service. My, if you go to their conference, they take an offering every service. I'll tell you, I just don't have the heart for that. Quit saying that. I remember starting out, I was just like that. I went to Lakewood Church, Brother Austin. I used to leave my money in the car because I knew if I went in there, he's going to get it out of my pocket. I guarantee you, Pastor John Osteen was a master at taking offerings. He was a master at it. And I literally would because I was a Bible school student. I didn't have much money. You know, I'd have $20 left over for some gas or some snacks or, you know, a box of shotgun shells to go duck hunting or something. And, and I'd, I didn't want to give my 20 up. I'd leave it in that ashtray and I'd come back and I'd get convicted and I'd bring it back the next time and put it in the offering. I had to change my heart. I quit saying that about his offerings. I quit saying that about what he was doing. I started saying the Lord is going to give me a generous heart. I'm going to look forward to every offering of every service I sit in as an opportunity to be blessed by God. Amen. I know I'm obeying God, but my heart just isn't in it. That's why you can't give except from your heart. I know in my heart what I'm supposed to do. I just can't do it. Let me read the scripture again. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. Quit saying, I know what I'm supposed to do. I just can't do it. Start saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. One of the, I don't think they, they live stream the day services. One of the day services I spoke in up at the conference, I was talking about having to make the decision to, to leave our field ministry 
and go into a pastoral ministry to start this church. And I started talking about how many of the things, I, well, I'm going to say many, I'm going to say all of them. Everything God ever really instructed me to do that brought major life change to me, I didn't want to do it. I did not have the heart to do it. When God spoke to me to leave Lakewood Church and go join a, a church that met in a funeral, I didn't want to do that. That was not in my heart. When God, listen, I'll, I'll tell you one bigger than that. When God spoke to me to marry Leah, I didn't want to do it. I was afraid to get married. I mean, I'd just been in a meeting. I think I preached Sunday through Wednesday, got a $500 offering. That ain't a lot of money. On the way home, stupid me listens to a marriage seminar on the radio that says you shouldn't even consider getting married unless you have $10,000 in a checking account and $10,000 in a saving account. So I came back home and I called up Liz and said, how much money you have? <laughs> I was hoping she had it, you know, I mean... And so I went to her one night in an intercessory prayer meeting. Be careful, young men that are looking for wives of going to intercessory prayer meetings and thinking you're going to do something that's not the will of God. And so I talked to her about, well, you know, we need to back off and we need to do this and do that. And she got a bunch of Holy Ghost women got in there and started praying. And I got home, and when I showed up and walked in my room, God was in my room. And I'll never forget what he said to me, because sometimes he corrects, and when he corrects, it hurts. He said this, how dare you? And that's the way he said it. How dare you reject the provision I've had for you for many years. You're rejecting it. You better make a change right now. My heart got right real quick. I called her up the next day and asked her to marry me the next day. My heart's been right ever since. Amen. So I started talking about the difference between field ministry. We hit home runs every game. Amen. I've had times that I had church passion. I didn't even get up to bat. You say, what do you mean by that? We experienced very little failure in our field ministry. But in church, in pastoring, we've experienced failure after failure after failure after failure. But because our hearts are right, we go through every one of them. We go through every one of them. We just go right on through them and keep on going. Financial, doesn't matter. We just keep moving. Even to the part where our whole church got destroyed, we just kept on moving. Whack through that failure, we just kept on going and God kept blessing. So you got to feed your heart with your mouth the right thing. Everybody say, I can do it. Here's another one. Well, if God wants me to do that, he'll have to change my heart. He ain't going to do that. He's going to give you the equipment and the material you need to change your heart yourself. I think many times we think God's up in heaven thinking, I'm going to change this person, I'm going to change... He doesn't do that. He gives us all that is necessary through His Word and by the Spirit to bring eternal supernatural change to ourselves. Where is it? In 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face, beholding as, uh, as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory. So we have to embrace the Word. We've got to saturate ourselves with the Spirit. And as we do that, we are changed. One translation says, from one dimension of the ability of God's power in our life to the next. Amen. Now let me throw this out to you now, and, we'll, and we'll dismiss. Our time's up. Too many people let the negative things of life change them. Amen? Especially in church because we're talking about fellowshipping together, unity, being one with another, the church growing, believing God that people will see the life of God, the light of God, the salt and the light in us. 
We go out on these, go out on these uh, uh, outreaches that we're doing the next three months. Fall harvest is coming up. All these wonderful things that we'll be able to shine forth the glory of God. Amen? In the midst of that, the devil wants to tear it all down. He wants you offended. He wants you upset. He doesn't want you just cruising along in the things of God, getting saturated by the goodness of God. He doesn't want that for you. He knows that you are a potential individual on this planet that can demonstrate his defeat, and he doesn't like that. He doesn't want you here on Sunday morning hearing the Word. He doesn't want you here on Wednesday night hearing the Word. He doesn't want you in any of those prayer meetings. He doesn't want you coming to fall harvest. He doesn't want you on those outreaches. He doesn't want you giving them. He doesn't want you doing any of that. Listen, and this life that we live cannot be a life of continual yielding unto your own adversary. It's like walking in somewhere and taking, telling some guy, here's a stick, just beat me with it. You know, my, my mom and dad never told me, go get me a switch. I had friends that, that did. Their parents would tell them, go get me a switch. I'm going to give you a spanking. So they'd go out and find some little old tree that had a brittle, you know, brittle stick. Say, here you go, just beat me to death. Here you go. My dad had the alligator. Where's Alan? Remember the alligator? That was his alligator belt. Yes, sir. And mama had whatever she could swing. She whipped me one time with a flowered scrub brush, and I had flowers all over my behind for three months. <laughs> but I didn't give it to her. Amen? And I never bought my dad an alligator belt for Christmas. No, not in those days. No, sir. You say, why? Why would you equip your adversary for your own defeat? Did you get that? And a lot of people, they just give it to them. Here, with their words, I can't do it. I can't make it. I don't like church. I'm not, I'm so busy. I, you know, I'm bored. I don't like the songs. It's too loud. It's too quiet. One, one, one guy was telling about a church he preached the other day. He said in the foyer, a guy stands there with a big, big bag of uh, earplugs because the music's so loud. So he just hands out earplugs. Everybody wants earplugs. They all sit in the back and worship God with earplugs in. Amen? You say, what point are you trying to make? Do what it takes. Do what it takes to starve your adversary's equipment, his, all of his lies, everything he's trying to do to you, and go over here and empower yourself with the Word, empower yourself by the Spirit, and become the man and the woman of God that God has called you to be. And enjoy the blessing. And people say this, well, you talk about having to fight all the time. Don't you think you're going to have to fight anyway? You don't think life affords an individual a fight outside of Christianity? Absolutely. There are people out there fighting and they don't even know what they're fighting. They got their eyes covered, they got plugs in their ears and they're just swinging away and they're not, they're not hitting nothing. But you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can be part of a strong local church. You can have faith in your heart. You can prosper financially. You can stay with it till the breakthrough comes. You can stick with it until the miracle comes. Brother Osteen told us, used to tell us this, my last phrase, and we'll close. He said, any old dead fish can float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim upstream. So as humanity flows down, just, just, just don't flow with humanity. Swim upstream to the blessings. Swim upstream to the healing of God. 
Swim upstream to the provision of God. Swim upstream to the blessing of God, and I guarantee you, God will bless you, and every effort in righteousness you put forth, He will respond to that effort with His blessing and His provision in your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and thank the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. Thank you, Father, for your overwhelming provision and goodness and your blessing in our lives. Thank you that we are an assembly of God, that you are assembling us together to be a functioning body in the earth today. We're so thankful, Father. As is our tradition, Lord, we always appropriate the provision of Psalms 91, declaring over the entire church, no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place, angels have charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Anywhere we travel, the highways, the seaways, the airways, the railways, any other way of transportation, we are protected. In the righteous labor of our hands, men and women as they go to their jobs, men and women in their businesses, people in education, our students and our teachers as school begins, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that we're not subject to accidents, to terror, to trauma, to evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Father, that outside the four walls of the church, there is a door of utterance for Island Church, that we can be an answer to somebody's prayer, a problem to the devil, a miracle in somebody's life. Freely we have received, freely we will give in Jesus' name. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Lord. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for Island Church. Thank you for our assembly, and thank you for our fellowship. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.